All right. So the question on today's podcast, is Neil Young still worth listening to? I say, eh, you know, not really my gen. Uh, this song is definitely worth listening to. What are you playing there? Cinnamon Girl. Hey, podcast listener. Even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Today, we're at the home office in Austin, Texas. Today, we are going to talk about how to get rich. We are going to talk about five ways that have been commonly presented, different strategies on how to become rich. And you're going to weigh in already? I already don't like it. Yeah. You don't like it? I'm, I got some caveats. Okay. But tell me what you don't like. I don't like this idea of being rich. I don't like saying how to get rich. I want to be rich. He's rich. She's rich. I prefer <laughs> the term. I think I prefer the term wealthy. Okay. And let's make the distinction, right? Like I think there's a difference between like rich and wealth. And when you say rich, to me, all we're focused on is the monetary value of something. Correct. Okay. And when I talk about being wealthy, I think of like a full range of different things that can be going on in your life. Relationships, health. Yeah. So when you say how to get rich, I think, okay, we can talk about how to get rich, how to make money, but what else is going to be sacrificed in this conversation? Hmm. To listen to all that Neil Young turn you into a hippie all of a sudden? No, I've been trending that way. (laughs) Long time. I feel you, and you're right. And here's the interesting thing. At the end, we'll talk about what's common in all of these strategies. But one of those that comes up again and again is that these very, very rich people essentially suggest that you're probably mistaken about what you're seeking in this, you know, drive to become rich, essentially becoming rich won't make you happy. This is said in different ways in many of the different approaches that we're going to share today. Which is also like a hard pill to swallow, right? Because everybody that's like trying to rub two nickels together is like, yeah, right. All my problems right now can be solved by But there's also like no poor person sitting around saying, you know, this getting rich thing is really a big joke. You know, I guess there might be some monks and stuff like that. Okay. Let's do this, Ian. I believe that you ought to have a strategy for becoming wealthy with money along. Rich, you mean? Rich, as well as you should have a strategy for the other things in your life. Why not? Yeah. I mean, what are you working for if you're not trying to accumulate an abundance of, of health, an abundance of riches? Why not? So here's a couple things we're going to do. Me and you are in an interesting position in life. We have personally met a lot of rich people. So you know, today's episode isn't going to be about us like reading a Harvard Business Review and like listing off stats or whatever. It's going to be about me and yours personal experience speaking with thousands of entrepreneurs over the course of a decade. So what's rich? It's going to be different for everybody, but for the purposes of this conversation, I think let's say $2 million or cash equivalent, not including your personal residence. So I think imagine the people that you've met in your life over the course of 10 years, and there's quite a few, one caveat. There's a certain kind of rich person 
that I refuse to talk about. If you cannot walk away from like your career or business for a month and everything's cool, if you don't have that separation, in other words, if there's some kind of hamster wheelie thing, like it all, the train stops if you stop. There are rich people that have to go to a job. I've met handfuls of those people. I don't want to talk about that approach to getting rich. Because what's the point of getting rich? A lot of these people are very unhappy with their situation. I'm not thinking of a mindset unhappiness. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, thinking it's a of tough- like somebody that runs a construction company, does like $15 million a year, but it all hinges on their relationships. It all hinges on them being in the office. Mm. I'm thinking of like a partner at a law firm. I've also met high-level consultants in this situation. I'd say executives in general. Yeah. If you're an executive and you're making uh, three quarters of a million dollars a year, it's kind of like golden handcuff situation, right? Yeah, we talk about relative dollar value on this show from time to time. And for me, like the salary you're getting paid as an executive versus like a similar salary you're getting paid from your own company. I mean, there's there are many multiples apart in my mind, if that makes sense. Like in my experience, that experience of wealth feels and looks different from the entrepreneurial experience. The main difference to me is creating an asset versus being the asset. As a lawyer, as a doctor, as somebody that's making a half a million dollars a year, like you are the asset. Like the second that you stop billing for your work, your wealth is basically stagnant versus like creating an asset where it's working for you. Cool. So here, without further ado, are the five ways to get rich. And as a special bonus... I think if I were to guess, three of these the audience has heard before or some familiarity with, there are two TMBA originals, one of which I'm pretty excited about because me and you both know personally quite a few people that use this approach, not talked about often. Ready to go? I'm ready to go. Tell me I didn't get you excited right there. I'm excited and I'm excited to argue with you on one of these because I just don't agree with it. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Fantastic. All right. So Ian, the first approach to getting rich, we are going to attribute it to the thinker Felix Dennis, who wrote a fantastic book called How to Get Rich, in which he shares his approach to getting rich. And we will summarize that approach as deals, people, energy, and luck. The idea in How to Get Rich, there's a couple. The first is that equity, fighting for equity in everything you're doing is absolutely critical. The second is that delegating to people smarter than you is absolutely essential. And the third is hustle. Hustle in high-risk deals and having huge confidence, huge energy to be on it year after year to cut deals that you have enormous equity in and then dumping in capital to hire the people that are better than you. Now, the interesting thing about this strategy is that according to Felix Dennis himself, it requires an enormous amount of luck in order to find the deals, get access to them, execute well. I mean, he's not an ideas person. He's an execution person. The other thing he says is that if you have what he's suggesting as an approach to getting rich is so uncertain and such a long shot because of the luck elements, because of everything we just talked about, that you probably never achieve it. And that if you have anything good going in your career right now, like a good job, 
this approach probably won't resonate with you because of the sorts of things he feels that you need to do in order to become rich. You got me on this NBA thing, man. I can't believe I've watched so much NBA since you've been here. But It's a great sport. It's definitely impacted my thinking. And one of the ways that it's impacted my thinking was you told me how many NBA players there are. There's like, what, 500 of them? There's 500. And so your chances of being an NBA player are relatively low unless you happen to be like over seven feet tall. And then they're pretty damn low still, but yeah. a little bit better, like 3% or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable. Right. So, you know, 500 out of like, you know, a lot of people. But the odds of hitting it big, getting rich, getting to play in the NBA are relatively low. And I feel like that's kind of at the crux of uh, Felix Dennis's book, The Late Great, by the way, Felix Dennis. And I feel like it's a very fragile approach too. And what you said is a lot of the things that you've been conditioned to do, like if you have a job, you will not be able to execute in this strategy. The way I feel like you can get rich if you're in Felix Dennis's shoes or if you want to get rich by his methods is like not giving a crap about anything and like laying it all on the table and just like going for it and running as fast as you can towards a brick wall and hoping it works out. Yeah. That approach is like for very few people, which is probably why very few people actually succeed at it. And it's kind of hard to uh, pinpoint the personality that I think is good at this. But definitely, if you read the book, like you'll understand why Felix Dennis is good at this. Like he's a partier, he's a socialite. Like he's out there. He's like taking risks. Is there cocaine is mentioned on more than one yeah, occasion? Yeah, he's in doing the book. that. <laughs> so I think it takes like a, a bit of that personality, you know, to get rich in this way. And it's it's not a normal thing. It's worth pointing out that his fortune was built in publishing. So he was the owner of Maximum Magazine, among a bunch of others. And the way he would describe negotiations and getting equity and things was very like winner take all, like lay it all on the line, work 24 hours, like energy, energy, energy. And by the way, if you look at that magazine, like it's basically half clothed women, right? <laughs> so like this is the kind of industry you're in, right? Like When's the last time you met somebody that runs a strip club that's like completely on the up and up? Like it takes a certain kind of person to be in that industry. You can kind of see by the things that he was publishing, the he types of edgy. people he was associating he with. He was edgy. Yeah. That's the idea. And I think that that's the whole theme of, you know, Felix Dennis's work and approach is essentially like, look, there are people out there in the world that are very smart and great at their jobs good, hire them, because that's not your role. Your role is to be edgy, to cut the deals, to take all the equity, to take that winner-takes-all approach. And by the way, like this is so hard that if you have anything good going for you right now, or if you're not willing to be completely insane about it, it's not going to happen for you. If you're that person, embrace it, read Felix Dennis's book, and like run towards a brick wall. Two things that come to mind. First is, even if you don't have that personality, the book's worth reading and it's insightful. The second thing is, I like your point about personality approach matches. I think there's so many different ways to get what you want out of life. And one of the things in business is you often see a mismatch between the founder and the type of business they're trying to start. That's too bad. In my dreams, I have a plan. Approach number two. And the approach that inspired today's episode to talk about it today we'll call strategic identity creation. This is attributed to Naval, who would say Naval on Twitter. Hey, just wanted to cut in here to say that Naval is, of course, Naval Ravikant, investor, CEO, and a co-founder on AngelList. 
a great follow on Twitter and the publisher of a very thoughtful podcast. He's trending lately as this kind of profit thinker that is taking a very holistic, I'd say, approach to building wealth, building businesses. And it's a little, he's a different voice than what you typically hear in the business advice sphere because he's thinking about business in the context of life and society and what it means. And he's also citing a lot of older, more established thinkers, like back to Socrates and the ancient Chinese thinkers. And essentially, Naval's suggesting that if you can cultivate a wealthy identity, and if you can focus on the types of things that wealthy people focus on, one day your chances of achieving said wealth are highly exaggerated. So to give some examples, and this is quoting a a famous now viral tweet storm, seek wealth, not money or status. Wealth is having assets that earn while you sleep. Money is how we transfer time and wealth. Status is your place in the social hierarchy. Ignore people playing status games. They gain status by attacking people playing wealth creation games. This is one that we talk about very often. Instagram. Pick an industry where you can play long-term games with long-term people. You will get rich by giving society what it wants, but does not yet know how to get at scale. Don't partner with cynics and pessimists. Pick business partners with high intelligence, energy, and above all, integrity. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. All right, so you get the point that Naval's really thinking about it from like first principles. It can't just be all about you. It can't just be about money. You have to cultivate a certain kind of persona and ego in order to become wealthy. Do you think that this is true when you meet a lot of wealthy people that they're like sort of a category different in terms of their ego than people who aren't? Here's my first thought when I read this. Like, yes, very good. He was also on the Joe Rogan podcast. Everybody's retweeting this. The first thing that it came to mind, because I agree with most of what he's saying here, it makes perfect sense to me. And these are a lot of things that I aspire towards. The first thing that I thought though was like survivor's bias. Like, is it possible for someone that isn't in his position to like have all these thoughts or hasn't got to this self-actualization point really to have these types of thoughts? And maybe for like Confucius, yes, but like there's only like a couple people in the in the history of the universe that have like got to these conclusions maybe without having to like live them first. So like I'm thankful because Naval's rich. So like Well he claims that he wrote down many of these principles before he was rich, as he was a young person. Interesting. Well, if that's the case, but then me and you Confucius did can we do two. something a little bit similar? Sure. Where we found business writers and philosophers that we looked up to and we wanted to be like them. Absolutely. And we said be like that, not have the same outcome, but we wanted to be like them. You know, we wanted to change our souls in a kind of way. You know, we talk about on this pod, like that the act itself of building something bigger than yourself is like grinding to your ego. It it changes you in a way. And I think that that we were like all on board for that journey. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't, I don't want to take anything away from his wisdom here. And it's great that you can read about people's experiences without having had them yourself. If you sit down and you read this tweet storm from Naval, I think a lot of people will probably find themselves on this track. Like they're trying to basically build things that are in line with their ego and that are like not compromising their values. They're trying to do great things. And at the same time, they're trying to get rich. 
But I think what you said, which is really important, which is you have to put yourself second in line to the things that you're going to accomplish for other people. And I think Naval is on that too. So a way to get rich is to serve other people. And once you serve other people, you will get the things that you want. You could like agree with it, resonate it, and identify with it. And then you wouldn't be any closer necessarily to becoming rich. Right. But I think what's going to happen for a lot of people hopefully, is they're going to read it, they're going to identify with it, and they're going to ditch whatever they're up to. They're going to say, oh, man, like, yeah, this is a way to get rich for sure. Like, I'm on that path, but, like, I don't feel good about it. Like, I don't feel like a wholesome person. Like, this isn't in line with my values. This isn't in line with, like, the things that I want to be in life. Basically, like we said in the first point, like, if you're out doing some kind of risky business or, like, feeling like you're having heart palpitations every other day because you're, like, not doing the things that you love, but you're getting rich. Like, yeah, you can get rich that way, but you might end up like having a heart attack a little bit earlier than you might've wanted to. And with Naval's approach, I think it's like a more wholesome, it's a more kind of complete way that you can feel good about yourself, your work and getting rich at the same time. And it's not to say that there aren't some tactics in there, but you go check out the tweet storm for yourself. We'll have it linked up at this episode. It's worth pointing out that the last tweet in this uh, sequence, it reads, when you're finally wealthy, you'll realize that it wasn't what you were seeking in the first place, but that's for another day. So the other thing that I think is relevant to Naval's approach, basically, is that even if on the way you don't create like enormous mountains of riches for yourself, the hope is that you'll become like, you know, a better thinker, a better person, like better off, basically. Yeah for following the process. So even if you fall short, you have what you've created and who you've become. By the way, Felix Dennis and his approach to becoming wealthy suggests the exact opposite, that the process of becoming wealthy from his perspective is so consuming that you can burn relationships, you can burn your health, and he suggests that he did all of these in his life. Hey, yo, today's show is sponsored by Revision Legal. These are lawyers who understand what we're all about here at the pod. If you got a legal problem, even if you don't have a legal problem, get ahead of it and give the team at Revision Legal a call. Revision Legal is a firm that truly understands entrepreneurs and internet business. They don't think Amazon products are about logging and timber. That's right. Revision Legal really understands entrepreneurs because they're part of the community and they're around them all the time. So the unique challenges and questions that you face, they're equipped to help you address them, whether it's combining assets and forming a new joint venture, protecting your brand through trademark registration, Amazon FBA products through patent protection, or just trying to buy and sell digital assets. Revision Legal has your back because it focuses on online companies just like yours. Their attorneys listen to your goals, your pain points, take the time to understand your business, and then create a plan personalized for you. So look, legal questions and dilemmas come in many shapes and sizes. Don't let them keep you up at night. Give the team at Revision Legal a call and get it sorted out before this stuff bites you in the butt. So check out the team over at revisionlegal.com and don't hesitate to drop them a line if you're seeking advice or help. Our number three approach to becoming rich, we are going to credit it to Tim Ferriss and we're going to call it the comprehensive arbitrage approach. Now, 
when we started brainstorming this episode, the last person that I thought would come up would be Tim Ferriss. I thought I'd have to discount, oh, the four-hour work week stuff. It's all about hacking things. It's all about living in cheap places. You know, you can't make a million bucks selling t-shirts online. And I started to think about the people that I know, and I thought, no, actually, this is an approach to building riches that can work. And so we got to talk about it. I thought what you were going to tell me is like, two weeks ago, you're like, I can't believe it. I'm like, what? You're like, if we would have just taken Bitcoin the first time somebody asked us to take Bitcoin, do you know how much money we'd have by now? That is part of this approach. This is something different. We have to have a pause to discuss this. But this is about listening to your customers. Recently, we decided to to make an initiative in our company to allow customers to pay with cryptocurrencies for certain sorts of products. And as we were working on it, it like occurred to me that the first time a customer asked us, like sort of pleaded with us in a way to accept Bitcoin because it would have been convenient or they had extra or whatever the reason was, I brushed it off as like a silly request. I really did. I saw this like huge personal failing that led to us literally our wealth category would be completely different right now had my attitude been different and had i said you know what i'm gonna go out of my way to accept what this customer wants to do because it might be interesting i might learn something rather i saw it as an inconvenience as a fringe request and not particularly serious my bad attitude cost us i won't even pull out a napkin and write down what it would be but uh it would be significant. But if you look back at like what was going on at the time, like this was some of our first monies, you know? So like to basically hedge on a currency that we didn't know much about and that was like kind of new and things like that. Like for us, we're like, oh man, like this is the first time I'm getting money. Like I can't just hedge. And so now it's like a lot easier. So now it's like, oh yeah, let's like, let's diversify the portfolio. Let's get a little bit of crypto in there. But of course, Bitcoin's at like, I don't know, $7,000 as we're talking about it right now. So it's like much easier now to make these types of decisions. Back then though, so focused on like just getting the first monies, getting up and running. Well, certainly an approach to getting wealthy is coming out right in this discussion, which is you'd be an absolute first mover on something that's moving fast. I mean, we know a lot of people who've gotten wealthy by just buying Bitcoin back in the day. And also, I mean, honestly speaking, like we didn't have to only take Bitcoin. So like if we could have had a little bit of foresight and said like, okay, we're going to make a bet, it's a hedge, whatever, and we're only going to allocate like 10 or 15% of the total revenue or income to this new kind of cryptocurrency, yeah. it wouldn't have been a make it or break it situation. And in fact, the upside would have been very great. So yeah, definitely something that we probably should have exposed ourselves to if we were really passionate about getting, quote, rich. We're talking about comprehensive arbitrage. We're talking about Tim Ferriss. And one of the things that... I thought is a very similar thinker is uh, Mr. Money Mustache and the early retirement extreme. And what I mean by this is like sort of taking existent resources in your life, taking a second look at them, reevaluating them and thinking to kind of hack everything, like really taking the gamer approach to life, tinkering. Arbitrage. Arbitrage. So arbitrage means you buy low, you sell high, vice versa. And there's all these opportunities with your career, your income, your spending. And what we've found is that when people start to tinker around and treat their income, their savings, their passive income, their active income as little games that they're playing, 
You know, the people that have a spreadsheet of their personal budget and like maybe get in on a little investment here and start a little e-commerce store here. This kind of fun gamesmanship tinkering, oh, I'm going to hang out in Bali for a little bit and see what's going on there. This is actually an approach that can lead to riches. Yeah, I think a lot of people, they take this approach, but they don't take it to like the nth degree or to like the most serious degree. So it's like, I'm going to tinker here. I'm going to tinker that, but I'm never really going to get something very serious done with any of it. Yeah. Like you actually have to take it to the next degree. So it's like, you got to have like 20 different things going on, which a lot of people wouldn't recommend. And then from those 20 things, you got to figure out what the five are that are making a lot of noise. And then from those five, you got to figure out what the one thing is. Sure. But a lot of people, they just end up, you know, oh, I'm a tinker with like 20 things. And actually, I feel like that's where this Tim Ferriss approach kind of breaks down for most people is that to execute on the Tim Ferriss Get Rich platform, you actually have to go off the Tim Ferriss Get Rich platform at some point. So like you have to tinker around, you have to be involved in arbitrage and whatnot, but then at some point you really have to focus. So it's the unless, thing Unless, of course, you tinkered with Bitcoin. Unless you tinkered with Bitcoin. <laughs> It's the approach is different than the finish line in this case, I think, which is you really have to be disciplined once you find that one thing. You know, when the Tim Ferriss book, 4-Hour Workweek, first came out, there was like a lot of people, including us, Dan, that were like kind of very interested in this idea, right? But it didn't actually turn out to be 4-Hour Workweek. Of course, it turned out to be 70-Hour Workweek because we doubled down. And ultimately, that's what led to us having a multi-million dollar company and selling it in 2015. But it was that tinkering in the beginning that led to be where we had an exit. I think one of the things that's key to this approach is rethinking your relationship to society. It's why Tim Ferriss's book itself talks about like fear setting exercises, asking yourself what's the worst that can happen. It's why Mr. Money Mustache glorifies cheap living. It's why you talk about buying fully depreciated cars or entrepreneur mobiles. It's really about thinking that reality is negotiable rethinking what your role in society is like, hey, like maybe becoming rich is just a matter of like rethinking who I am in the society and like playing a different game. If I play the game that everybody else is playing, I'm going to have to exist in that hierarchy. It's going to be hard for me to extract value from myself. If I do something completely different and tinker around with something weird, man, I could stumble onto a gold mine. And a lot of times people do. All right, Ian, on to our number four approach to becoming rich. And this was the approach that really got my mind cooking when we saw this Naval tweet storm and we thought, what are we going to say about you know what we've seen over the years about how to get rich? There's one strategy that we have seen time and time and time again, and I don't think we've ever officially talked about it on the show. So here we're going to do it. In fact, you remember the thousand day principle. Yeah. So the idea of the thousand day principle is that it'll take you three years. If you start a business, it'll take you three years to replace your corporate income. And there was something I started tossing around. We started seeing it at these early events we were going to. And it was like, hmm, it takes about seven years to kind of get wealthy from your business. And that's assuming, of course, that the business stays strong. You continue to run all, it stays healthy, all that. So we're going to call this a TMBA original. We're going to call it the work hard work smart, don't spend your money approach, or the old man river approach. Because here's the thing. We have met so many people that are rich because they've owned the same boring business for more than seven years. Old man river, 
owns an asset that makes he or she half a million dollars and just cranks it out for 30 years, before you know it, you got a lot of money in the bank. Or you've been, say, making 200 for years, but you've been doing a lot of your personal spending on the business. Yep. And all of a sudden, you, you know, maybe a couple years, a GM runs it or your kid runs it or whatever, and you wake up and it's like, boom, I'm rich. It's just cranking away at the same thing for years and years and years. It's not having shiny object syndrome. It's falling upon something that is valuable. It's something that's profitable. And it's just doing it year over year over year. And honestly, Dan, it's like, it's not the smartest people in my mind that are able to execute on this. It's the people that are smart enough to know they've fallen on something that's good. That's like better than a job. They like own their own business, you know, got a couple company cars or whatever, (laughs) making a quarter million dollars a year. And it's like a great life. And then before you know it, because that wealth, that income is compounding, they're rich. And I want to point out too that the old man river persona, if we were to break these up by percentages of people that we personally know, this is one of the highest percentages. Probably the highest. And it also like by calling it old man river, it's a bit of a joke, but that doesn't mean that these are not internet businesses. Like in fact, a lot of the quote old man rivers are actually people who've known internet businesses for 10 years. In fact, that's the most common one. Here's a funny thing too about old man river. Old man river does try and do what I just said not to do, which is the shiny object syndrome. Like every time you talk to old man river, they've got like this $20 million business chugging along, you know, or even 10 million or whatever. They're making good money or even three. Yeah. They're always talking about like what they want to be doing or this new thing that they're trying out. They're a total entrepreneur, but they're not willing to bet the farm on it. Like they know where they're getting fed. They know where their income's coming from, you know, and most of the time they have management structure in place and we run the company. So they're able to kind of like twiddle around with these ideas in their head and, you know, start a magazine or whatever it is, this lifestyle idea, this business that they really want to be doing is. They're able to kind of explore those things, but most of the time, it's that core business that gets them through 20 years later. In some ways, for me, the Old Man River is the TMBA model. These are the people that we meet at our conferences. These are the people that we look up to. And these are the people that I also feel like are kind of the happiest. It's sort of interesting that this you know, idea that you have this stable, big, powerful asset that gives you a great deal to do, gives you a great deal to be proud of, gives you a great deal of agency in your life and the lives of others, makes you feel like you're making a contribution, you know? These, rather than maybe some of these more volatile strategies that you don't even have enough time to identify with, that are things are moving so fast, you don't know who you are, what you're doing, you're just trying to survive and win. I do look at a lot of these sort of old man river types. I'm not even sure I like that persona because a lot of these people certainly aren't old and are not. Sure. Men or they don't live by rivers. (laughs) I just wanted to underline it because it does feel like if you can find something with a stability to stick around for seven years, you know, the Lindy effect, Mm -hmm. Lindy principle would suggest that it maybe it'll be around for another seven. This is definitely a very fruitful approach to getting rich. We used to own our old man river business. We sold it. Sold it because we wanted to be, uh, we wanted to be a flashy upstarts. Yep. I'll let you know how that works (laughs) out. All right, Ian, the final approach to getting rich is a little bit more tactical, and uh, you're giving me crap about it. 
It's another <laughs> TMBA original, and we are going to call this group of people, and I can, again, visualize many of them in my mind, I'll call them shovel stampers. So a shovel stamper approach to getting rich is internet focused, I think it's fair to say. And it's really a location-based strategy. So that location can be virtual. It can be hybrid, like a mix of conferences, cities, social networks, or it can be real, like a mastermind, a industry, a, an office, whatever. The idea of the shovel stamper is that you go to a relevant internet marketing gold rush. In other words, you find out where a bunch of people are making money on the internet, and then you get to know it, you embed yourself, you build relationships, you understand the marketplace, and then at a certain point, boom, you put up your shovel stand, and you start selling shovels to the people that are mining the gold from the internet, that are making an enormous amount of money on the internet. This, I feel like, is a reliable approach to becoming rich, relatively reliable. Of course, all of these strategies are risky. But if you're looking at approaches to getting rich, this one seems, I see a lot of examples of this. And I feel like it's distinct from the others in its prioritization of location and like an understanding of like a specific moment in time and in its tactical nature. And that there's a very specific thing that people are doing here is that they're choosing winners and they're selling to them. This is the one that I was saying I take issue with. And I'll tell you the reason I'm why I take issue part. with it. I was looking forward to this the whole episode. <laughs> but I think you're right. I just feel like it's the newest concept. So that's why I'm not so comfortable with it, right? Like, of course, once it's established, you know, for our work week or whatever, like everybody can make money doing it, right? And once you understand the concept. So this is the newest. This is the Bitcoin that I should probably be taking right now that I'm not <laughs> the taking. The Bitcoins. <laughs> I think these people right now, Dan, a lot of these people are into cryptocurrencies. This is like the cryptocurrency group for me, which is basically there's a ton of knowledge going around. There's a ton of information. People are writing books. They're theorizing or whatever. People aren't making gobs and gobs of money. So like, I feel like that industry, those people are poised, right? Like once it hits, like once it goes mainstream, like they're going to be there selling the cryptocurrency shovels to the people that are going to be mining whatever they're mining at the time, right? Yeah. This goes back, by the way, I think to Levi's. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Levi's jeans made their fortune selling jeans to miners who are mining this gold. This is the story of the shovel stamper. Yeah, yes. exactly. So, you know, a lot of the people that we know, and this is the reason why I think you're attracted to this theory and why I think it makes sense is because a lot of the people that we know are kind of on the fringes of the internet. They're seeking out where people are going and they understand what's going to happen next. And so I think it's important to say like, okay, I understand what's going to happen next, but I also like believe it like in the, in the bottom of my heart and I'm like willing to invest in it. Okay. Well, let me broaden my theory a little bit here because it doesn't need to be so fringe case. In fact, because we're focused on making money on the internet, sometimes it's easy to forget how rare that focus is. By the way, like walk around in your day-to-day -day life and how many people understand what the crap it is you're doing every day. So there's a lot of space for those of us who understand who's making money on the internet and how we're making money to actually build that new future. And we see it happen all the time. So it's not just about Bitcoin and fringe technologies. It's about technologies like email. It's about WordPress hosting. It's about payment processing. There's all these things that are clearly correlated to people making money on the internet. And yeah, there are trends. One trend that recently happened was Amazon. And a lot of people got rich by helping people make money on Amazon. Yep. And 
In other words, like there was no belief required. There's no like fringe technologies. It was just like, boom, here's a platform that's emerging. There's lots of people flooding to it. There's lots of money rather than opening up necessarily an Amazon shop, or I will open up an Amazon shop to understand. Right. But instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell shovels to all the people going to the Amazon. Right. Another great example of this, we're in Austin, Texas. He's spoken at our event. I think a, a brilliant thinker, Jason Cohen, WP Engine, right? He's like, hey, is WordPress going to be relevant 10 years from now? Are more people moving to WordPress? Yes. I'm going to start a hosting platform for WordPress. Like once you're on it, it's going to be very hard to get off it. And now he's got like a sign on one of the tallest buildings in downtown Austin. So I was going to bring up that example. Yeah, fantastic. Th- now you're seeing the shovel stamper theory I, everywhere. I definitely understand <laughs> the shovel. You know, I was even going to bring it offline, right? Austin, Texas, like food truck capital of the world. If you can see that this food truck thing is not just a trend, like it's something to stay, I'm going to start making food trucks. Like they're trailers. I'm going to cut a hole out of the side of it. <laughs> it's that idea, right? It's like pick something that you truly believe in, like you said, maybe even a product that you know yourself because you use and invest in it, understand it, and then start selling people the tools to be successful at it themselves. So again, to recap the five approaches to getting rich, of course, there's not only five approaches, there's just five because it's a TMBA podcast. We choose five. We don't even know why. Deals, people, energy, and luck by Felix Dennis. Strategic identity creation by Naval. Number three, comprehensive arbitrage represented by Tim Ferriss. Number four, work hard, work smart, don't spend your money. The old man river approach, neither necessarily old nor river-ish or mannish for that matter. And number five, the shovel stampers. So those are the five approaches to getting rich. Not wealthy, not healthy, not wise, just rich. (laughs) This is a question that I asked you the other day. I know what my answer is. And I think it's relevant to all these different approaches, which is... Would you rather have $25 million in your bank account or $1 billion with a B dollars in your bank account? I'm not even sure I like the question. At the end of the day, you're just trying to basically say, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that you'd rather be like quietly wealthy, basically. Yeah, than that's like, what I'm getting at. Yeah. And I think this is a personal question, but I also think it's like one of the first questions that you ask yourself before you choose one of these approaches. I have no interest in testifying in front of Congress Mm -hmm. how secure my software was. I would prefer to be quietly rich with none of those problems. I would be much happier with less. This idea in in this country and like many countries that like you're chasing riches at like any cost, it just, it doesn't seem like a good idea, right? Like, Almost like that's why I think I identified the least with Felix Dennis's idea of like how to get rich. It comes at like an enormous expense, basically. And when you look at these different approaches, I see Naval's as interesting because like you said, it builds you into hopefully a better person through the process and the process is what you become. I think there's one thing that all of these strategies have in common is that they all involve equity. That at the end of the day, equity is like a very simple equation it either involves equity or control. You know, I remember when MJ DeMarco wrote in a book about becoming rich, he wrote, wealthy people produce more than they consume. It's just like a simple duality in it. Well, you got to own something that's valuable. You got to own it. And in some cases, maybe you could control it in a way that looks like equity. But uh, yeah, that does seem to be one thing that's shared across all the tables. Yeah, I'd say you're right. Is that 
assets and asset generation is like at the core of all this. Like if you don't own it or you don't control it, like you're probably working for it. Cool. Thanks for your thoughts. We'd love to know yours. We're going to post this one over at tropicalmba.com slash five approaches to riches. That's it, boss man. As always, we'll be back next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.